Thank you for downloading this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. This is the podcast where we explore Central Florida's history through the artifacts found in local area museums and historical societies. This series is brought to you by Riches, the regional initiative to collect the histories, experiences, and stories of Central Florida and the Orange County Regional History Center. I am Daniel Velasquez, and I will be your host for today's episode titled Electronic Communications. The United States has a long-standing tradition of providing inexpensive access to communication services to its citizens. The post office window, telegraph, telephone, and computer featured in this episode tell the story of the progress of communication technology, from handwritten communication to the advent of analog electronic devices on to the present world of digital electronic communication in Central Florida. You might think that new technologies and inventions replace old ones, but that is not the case. Instead, this is a larger story of the political and cultural forces behind the popularization of these means of communication. Recognizing the importance of long-distance communication, the framers of the Constitution gave the U.S. Congress the power to establish post offices. Naturally, the postal system was dependent on the transportation system, and during the second half of the 19th century, railroads helped fuel American expansion. Nancy Pope, from the Smithsonian's National Postal Museum, comments on the way that the railroad allowed for enhanced communication. By, the, by 1863, the railroads were already carrying mail across the country. In 1864, the post office department decides to start putting guys aboard the train cars to sort mail while it's moving. And this is called the Railway Mail Service. And it becomes a critical component of not just the post office department, but really of helping to communicate across the entire country. Now you have mail reaching between New York and the West Coast as quickly as the railroads are being built. And by the 1880s and 1890s, down in Florida, it's going to be the same thing. Um, as soon as a railroad is there, you've got a railroad line that is carrying at least one car that is going to be a railway mail service car with guys on board serving or sorting the mail. And this ensures that mail not only comes to these areas, but it's getting there even faster because it doesn't have to stop in a large city and be sorted there and then carried on by wagon or another train to that city. In fact, they've got this wonderful method called mail on the fly, where if you don't even, the mail train doesn't even stop at your town, you can still exchange mail because as the, or as the train whizzes by, a mail clerk is going to kick off the mail bag for your post office, and your postmaster would have left on a huge crane a mail bag of the departing mail, and an arm from the train car would snatch that and bring it aboard the train. In the late 19th century, railroads were bringing settlers to places in Florida like Killarney. It was founded by Irish immigrants from County Kerry, Ireland, and was a small agricultural outpost in central Florida. Its post office was chartered in 1887, and the window and boxes featured in this episode are preserved by the Winter Garden Heritage Foundation. Killarney's post office connected the area's residents to family and friends from around the world. James Crestaselli from the Winter Garden Heritage Foundation tells us more. 
it's indicative of local history because of its attachment to Killarney, and like I say, that was a large farming and citrus community, and it just shows how established it was just by the fact that there was a post office there with a lot of families. Killarney Post Office became popular for many, many years as a place where you could bring mail and have it postmarked around, you know, St. Patrick's Day with a special postmark. That was also all year. They had a, uh, I think a shamrock was part of the postmark. So that was, that was clever and kept the, name, kept the name in people's minds. For these communities on the edge of American expansion, the introduction of a post office was more than a means to communicate with the outside world. Nancy Pope explains further. Well, the post office in America is really critical to any founding of a new community because not only is it your sole link at that point with the federal government, but it also allows people who are now in the community to contact and communicate with those they've left behind and those outside. So it gives you this connection that's really not possible in any consistent, cheap format, any other way. In a large city, is this busy, it's almost a town in and of itself. You've got the postmaster, you have hundreds of clerks and letter carriers just running around the building, getting the mail all ready to, to get out to people. And you've got multiple mail deliveries during the day. So if you are a wife at home, you can send a letter to your husband at work and get a response and a letter back to him all in the same day. If you're a business, um, business in some cities like New York could have as many as 10 deliveries a day. So it's almost like we use email today in that you're sending out a question, getting a response pretty quickly at that point the same day. That's not the way the rural post offices worked. In rural areas, <clears throat> there was no delivery, home delivery, so you had to come to the post office to get your, your mail. And so you weren't coming as often. You wouldn't come every day unless you lived in the town. But when you got to town, you gathered up your mail, and you now had this chance to talk to other people in the town because the post office at that point in a rural area becomes like the community center. These in-person exchanges are absent in the forms of electronic communications. One of the first forms of electronic communication was the telegraph, featured here and on display at the New Smyrna Museum of History. The telegraph industry developed to provide nearly instantaneous message delivery, but only to those who could afford it. The industry thrived well into the 20th century. Transmission in the U.S. peaked in the 1930s and 40s, when an average of 200 million messages were sent every year. Dr. Richard R. John from Columbia University describes the role of the telegraph in American communication services. The telegraph key uh, that's in the exhibit that would have been used by a clerk for one of the uh, large uh, telegraph companies, probably a Western Union or Postal Telegraph, and it was a specialty a service. The telegraph was not, uh, for the most part, uh, used by ordinary people uh, at all until uh, the opening decades of the 20th century. In fact, Western Union, the largest telegraph network provider, uh, told anyone who would listen, at least its president did as late as 1888, that if you wished to communicate over long distances, send a letter. 
So you would receive a telegram when someone was ill, a last-minute change of plan, or if you were in uh, journalism or business, uh, you would use it to uh, transmit time-specific information. But for the vast majority of Americans, uh, long-distance communication remained synonymous with the post office uh, until the 20th century. Like the telegraph, the telephone was another form of electronic communication. It was invented in the 19th century, but its commercial expansion and widespread use did not come until the mid-20th century. Yet, as with the postal system, the telegraph was not replaced by the telephone. Since the telegraph, telephone, and the postal service were not in direct competition with one another, there was no progression between the older to the more advanced. New communication technologies grew alongside existing ones, creating their own niche in the market. Nancy Pope explains. Neither the telegraph nor the telephone offered any challenge really whatsoever to mail volume. Mail volume actually through the 19th century and into the 20th, well up until the end of the 20th century, mail volume grew at incredible rates of speed. Um, it never went backwards. You know, you'd, with the telegraph and the telephone, you only had communication to areas that were um, that also had a telegraph or a telephone. With the letters, with the post, you could pretty much write to anybody because everybody was near a post office. So that kind of standard that you had this ability to write to anybody or communicate with anybody add on the fact that it was really only two cents versus what it would cost for a telegraph or a telephone call. Um, it just, it was not a, comp a competitor in any really, really good way with the, uh, with the post. In fact, within the city, the post office added mail through pneumatic tubes underground. It added mail onto streetcars. It kept doing whatever it could do to ensure um, speedy mail delivery within the cities. And again, the multiple deliveries helped with that. So telephones might have taken some of the mail within a city out, but that would have been really the only area. And as I said, mail volumes just continued to grow through the telegraph and through the telephone. Another variable was the distance for communication. Professor John explains. Well, there is no single telos or trajectory in, in thinking about communications. It's very tempting to say once things were small and slow, and now they're big and fast. Uh, but certainly the, uh, the post office was a long-distance medium before it became a short-distance medium. That is to say, uh, you would be more uh, likely to send a letter uh, from one end of the country to another than you would be across town. There were very poor facilities to send letters across town. Uh, before the Civil War, the the, the uh, post office box that you have in your exhibit uh, would have been used in a small town at a time when it was still conventional for the inhabitants of that town to go to the post office to pick up their mail, that is to say, free local delivery. So uh, in, in that sense, there is no single uh, trajectory. The telephone was predominantly a local medium. Uh, and it would remain predominantly a local medium. The vast majority of all telephone calls were local. Uh, that is to say, within two, three, five miles, uh, as late as the 1930s. Telegraph 
was preeminently a long-distance communication medium. However, by the 1980s, when computer usage increased across America, the telegraph was fading from use. Later on, the telephone and the postal service were affected as well. An early portable computer, the Zorba, is on exhibit at the Museum of Semelo County History. This computer could connect to other computers through a modem and a telephone line. These early computers were expensive and not widely owned, but over time the cost and use of computers as systems of electronic communication became more democratic. If you're listening to this podcast on an iPhone, or if you own a smartphone of any kind, then you're familiar with the convergence of computer and telephone technologies. But what of the Postal Service? If you've paid attention to the news, you know that Postal Service revenue is declining, and many blame the pervasive use of email. The Internet is certainly the main factor, but for a different reason. Well, today what's interesting with the computer is that email really wasn't the thing that started mail volume down. Mail volume started dipping in the 1970s and 80s when we stopped writing so many letters. What has really gotten mail volume to start diving is not email, but online services, online banking, online bill paying. All of this was first-class mail coming to you and first-class mail going from you. So when banks and insurance companies and all the other companies started doing online services, and people started moving from that first-class stamp online, that is what really started taking, um, causing dips in mail volume. And that's something that's, that's a trend that continues. Additionally, it seems that the survival of a particular mode of communication is also a factor of how accessible it is. We don't have a crystal ball, so we can't predict which communication technologies will last and which will fail. We might be tempted to conclude that the newest, best, and most efficient forms of communication will supersede older systems. If history is a lesson, then this will not be the case. What ultimately determines success in the realm of long-distance communication is a matter of public and economic policy choices, as well as a more democratized popular access. To see the post office boxes and window, visit the Winter Garden Heritage Museum at 1 North Main Street, Winter Garden, Florida, 34787. The telegraph can be seen at the New Smyrna Museum of History at 120 Sam's Avenue, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, 32168. For the phone and switchboard featured in this episode, visit the Telephone Museum at 221 West Packwood Avenue, Maitland, Florida, 32751. And finally, the computer can be seen on exhibit at the Museum of Seminole County History at 300 Bush Boulevard, Sanford, Florida, 32773. Make sure to join us for our next episode titled La Garita.